and gives them a path ahead. It says life's going to be tough. There are consequences for your decisions, but there is a path ahead, and I do have plans for you. I'm not giving up on you. When they have children, Cain and Abel are born, and you think, well, maybe things are going to, to look up here and things are going to be better. Cain and Abel both bring a sacrifice to the Lord. And Abel brings the best, the best of the fat portions of his, his flocks. And Cain brings some, some of the, uh, the crops that he grew. And so God looks at favor on Abel's sacrifice and says, Cain, in my words, Cain, you can do better than that. You give me the best. That's what I'm asking of you. And Cain is upset. Instead of repenting and responding positively to God, he gets upset and he kills his brother. And reading through that, we could easily think that, oh, that's the end. That's the end for Cain. He has done something evil. God's going to strike him down immediately. But he says, Cain, you're going to be a restless waterer on the earth. You're going to have consequences. But I'm going to put a mark on you so that whoever finds you will not kill you. You're going to go your way, and I'm going to give you a new beginning. There's consequences, but I'm going to give you a new beginning. We see the same with Noah. The world continues to get more and more evil, and as Scripture says, during the time of Noah, the time leading up to that, every inclination of mankind's heart was evil. Now, I look out in our world now, and I see a lot of evil, but I wouldn't say that every inclination of mankind's heart is evil. There's a lot of good that I see. But apparently, at this point in time, things had gotten so evil and so terrible. And think about it, with the long lives that people were able to live. Usually, a person can, can be evil for a point of time and then just run out of steam. Biology takes over in that. But just imagine if you had 600 or 700 years of lots of energy to pursue evil behavior. Destruction. And that's what happens there. And God see, looks down he sees Noah and says, Man, Noah's, Noah's a guy that's, that's, that's got a heart for me. And, and has him build that big boat, and the flood comes and destroys the earth. But the first thing, when they hit the ground afterwards, God sends that rainbow and says, here's my promise, I will never destroy the earth like this again. And here is a new beginning. Here is a new start for you to follow me and to honor me with your life. And mankind continues on from there. We see the same sort of thing with Abraham. Abraham, when the story picks up, in Genesis, is, is an older man that uh, does not have children, just he and his wife, and, and uh, imagine one of those guys that looks back and says, well, I don't know that I accomplished much in life, I don't know that I did much, I'm just here, don't have children that I always wanted. And, and, um, and God looks down and says, Abraham, I'm going to bless all nations because of you. And I'm going to change your name from exalted father, Abram, to Abraham, the father of many. Now just imagine how Abraham would have felt, not having any children, and God saying, I'm going to call you the father of many. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot, God. I'm going to go out and introduce myself as the father of many. I don't have any children. People laugh at me. It was bad enough already. Thanks a lot. Great, God. This is awesome. But God gave Abraham a new beginning and said, I know that you think you're way past all of this, but I'm going to give you a new beginning because... I've got plans for you. I've got great stuff. Look at Job. And I just finished reading the book of Job just for my own personal reflection here this, uh, this last week. And one of the things that, that came up is just how Job was, was one who was righteous and honorable before God. And God allowed Satan to strike him, strike his family, take his family away, take his wealth away, and eventually strike his body so that he had sores uh, all over himself. And, and he just struggled 
And he struggled with God and he struggled with his friends and trying to wrestle through, what, how, how did this happen? What did I do to deserve this? And Job's friends say, well, you must have sinned because God is just. Therefore, he's not going to do this to you unless you've sinned. And Job says, I haven't. I'm certain I haven't. I've done nothing to deserve this. And it goes back and forth and God responds and says, well, wait a minute here. Were you there when I created the world? Were you there when I hung the stars? Were you there when I created all these animals? And in short, says, Job, you let me be God and you be you. And Job says, okay, I repent. (laughs) I can't figure out the ways of God, and so I'm going to let God be God. And you know what? God blesses Job more than he did before. He blesses him in the second part of his life more than he did in the first part of his life. And God gave Job a new beginning. We see with Moses, as Moses has several new beginnings, and one of them is as he is uh, wandering around the, from about 40 till about 80, wandering around Midian, being a shepherd, and God approaches him and says, Hey, Moses, you're this, this great prince of, of Egypt. You had all of these this, this great blessings. You know, I, I understand from, from some scriptures later that that Moses understood that there was a plan of God for him to free the Israelites and tried to, to, to make that happen earlier in his life, and it didn't. he ended up running. And God approaches him in this burning bush and says, All right, Moses, time to go. Time to do this. And Moses says, nah, I'm not sure about that, God. Please send somebody else. God says, No, 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 I've got a new beginning for you. I'm excited about what's going to happen next. We see in the book of Judges, whenever... The Israelites go into sin, and, and uh, on Sunday morning during the adult class, we're teaching through the Judges right now, and it's been rich. Uh, Landon Bailey taught this morning on, uh, on part of the life of Gideon. And it's amazing how God, whenever the people of Israel go into sin, he sends somebody that says, all right, here we are. I'm ready to give you a new beginning, and this is how. This is your way out. This is your way to, to a blessed life existence once again. Uh, we see it during the time of the kings many times where there's great new beginnings. When the temple is built, there's a great celebration. People come and they celebrate that great, um, the, the great opportunity they have to have this temple and to worship God in that way. Uh, you see uh, Nehemiah, when the kings have, have, have been deported and, and the nation of Israel is in shambles, Nehemiah comes back and says, I'm willing to be courageous and rebuild this wall. I'm willing to help in a new beginning for God's people. You see how this happens. All through Scripture, there's when, when some time of, of hurt and pain comes to an end, there's a great new beginning that follows. And so one of the, maybe the greatest new beginning we see in Scripture, I think we could say it's the greatest new beginning, is a new birth that happens. And there here from, from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 22, it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that scripture comes from Isaiah. And what's happening when you read the context there is Isaiah is speaking to the king Ahaz. And he's saying, look, God is with us. You need to be courageous. And Ahaz is like, well, I don't know about that. And Ahaz is not demonstrating much faith at all. And part of God's response is says, there's going to be a little girl or virgin that's going to give birth, and this child's name is Emmanuel. In other words, you need to remember that God is with us, even if you don't see him, Ahaz, because he's here. That's what this child's name is supposed to be. So, 700 years later, here is Jesus, born of a virgin, 
And his name, it says, is going to be Emmanuel. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, or God who is among us. When we look at John, the first chapter, we see uh, some of the characteristics of who Jesus is going to be. It says, in the beginning, the word was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Okay, that term, word, in the original language that the New Testament is written in, logos, that was, that was a buzzword. Is a word that, if anybody's ever read Aristotle or Plato or Socrates, um, if you're my generation, Socrates, you know what I'm referring to, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Yeah, anyway. So, you read those guys, what you see is they'll talk about the logos, or this great impersonal force that makes everything work and everything come together. Sort of like, not exactly, but close enough for our purposes, like the force in Star Wars. Okay, something like that. And they talked about this great force or this great, this great uh, power that was out there. And the Jews talked about logos being the very words of God, the power of God, because God spoke and the earth came into being. And so what John does here, he says, in the beginning was the word, this great power. And so no matter what background you come from, you're thinking, oh, this, this great power. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This, okay, I'm talking about this power that has created everything, that's made everything go. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. And so, through Jesus, we'll see here in a minute, all things were made. Jesus is part of of God that created the world. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it or overcome it. All right, we look at that, and there's there's a couple of terms there. Think about life and think about light. Hey, there is a missions class I had a while back talked about when going into different cultures and sharing the message of God with people that have never heard the message of God or come from a very different background than, than we do. One of the things you've got to answer is every culture will try to answer, what is the good life? How do I live a good life? And the gospel has to be able to answer that question for those people. And it does, but you cannot forget about that. And I remember that because this is what Jesus shares, and he shares this over and over again, is I have come so that people may have life. John 10.10, if you fast forward a few chapters, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to a full or have life abundantly. That's what I have come to be able to provide. And Jesus, and you see that throughout the book of John. It goes on and on. In chapter 14, verse 6. Go ahead, let's go ahead and turn there. Chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus says, and I'll share it with you here. John 14, 6. He says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in other words, there's no other way to have good life. There's no other way to... To really, to, um, to please your Creator and get in step with your Creator if it's not through me. I'm the only way. That's the only way to do this. And Jesus shares that throughout his life. He also talks about, he says, I am the light of all mankind. Um, there is, uh, from now on till the next six months or so, every day there's going to be a little bit more light than there was before, right? And so it gets dark at what time right now? 5.15 or so, yeah, it's a little after 5, we're getting dark. Um, and during the summertime, it's dark about what time? 
11 or so. Oh, you're from Canada. Yeah, that's Edmonton. Okay, a little, a little earlier here. It's a dark, a little bit earlier here. But I know that down past my house, there's the Gallatin River, and there's a wild area. And I love to go and walk around there with my family. And walking around there at 7 p.m. right now is a lot more difficult than walking around there at 7 p.m. this summer. And what Jesus did when he came is he came into this dark world that was surrounded with with evil and surrounded with confusion. And he brought this light in and said, All right, here I am as God walking among you. This is what I would do as as God if you were in my shoes. Or I was in your shoes. And so follow me and I'm going to walk and and show you uh, what I want from you and what the, the good life is about. And he provided that light for us to be able to walk through life. If you skip down to verse 14 in John chapter 1, it says, The Word became flesh. So God became flesh, just like us, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And there's some other terms there that, that should jump out to us. Is again, Emmanuel, God with us. And I believe when... When Isaiah wrote that, his understanding as God was, was uh, the Holy Spirit was speaking through him, is that this child that was going to be born, that was going to be named Emmanuel, meant God was with us, and that God is walking alongside us, that he's not going to abandon us. But with the birth of Jesus, we see something even more, something even, uh, even different than that, is not only is God with us, but God is one of us, is that Jesus became God, or, or God became mankind to walk among us and, and provide an example for us that we as people never had before to fulfill a mission that hadn't been fulfilled before. And so Jesus became flesh. He became one of us and walked around among us. It says, we have seen his glory and he has come full of grace and truth. Uh, grace meaning unmerited favor. And so think about this. How many of you have seen the movies? There's been a few of them made, The War of the Worlds. Okay? I, I've heard, and I've, I've never, I, I've just heard this, and I've read it different places, that when War of the Worlds was first uh, broadcast on radio, people, at least some, were absolutely terrified because they turned on their radios. And has anybody else heard that? Yeah, they turned on their radios. And, and they heard this story of alien invasion that was taking over the world and were absolutely terrified because they didn't know it was a fictional story when it was first broadcast. Terrifying. And because I think there's part of us that, that lives with this, um, this perspective. In fact, whenever you watch alien movies, and how often do the aliens come down to earth and say, hey, I'm here to provide grace and mercy and great blessings? Would we even watch that? Because there's no battle scene, there's no, there's no tension, all of that. But that's exactly what God did, is God came down in human form and said, I'll tell you what I'm coming to bring here. I'm coming to bring grace and truth. I'm coming to bring something wonderful. I'm, trying to, I'm coming to bring something that's wonderful, this great news to you. And you can imagine, that's, that's not how we operate as people. Our tendency is to be afraid, to, to push, oh no, there's some great being that's going to come down that's going to, to annihilate us and turn us all into slaves and liquefy us or you know whatever it may be. And God says, no, 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 I've come full of grace and truth. And just like the Wizard of Oz, the curtain is drawn back 
And instead of just seeing someone there with a, that's, that's pulling the levers, Jesus showed us a new beginning that is something much greater. He showed us how to love others. He showed us how to submit to one another. He showed us how to overcome evil with good. And he showed that throughout his life, provide example for us to be able to do the same. And so for us, I think about the new birth of Jesus and new beginnings for 2020. Um, here's some things that, that I thought about and I, I focused on this week uh, to share with you from the birth of Jesus and new beginnings. First of all, let's allow God to dwell with us this year, more than he ever has before. And, and I know you as a people, and I walk alongside life with you, and, and I see God uh, living in, in your lives every day, and I learn something from, from, from all of you all the time. Because wherever we're at in life, wherever we're walking, we have great things to learn from each other. And just like Jesus was Emmanuel, God among us, let's make sure that this year, let's make that commitment that we're going to allow God to dwell in us as a community of faith. And when we roll around to 2021, we look more like Jesus than we do right now. And uh, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how God's going to work. I don't know all of that, and I can't control that. And no, none of us can. But let's be people that pray to say, God, we want you to be among us. We want you to dwell among us more than you ever have before, and we want to look more like you at the end of this year. And these qualities here that are mentioned here, pursue life, light, grace, and truth. And the way we interact with each other is the way we treat others. If we pursue life, a good life, light, grace, truth, and everything we do, then boy, at the end of this year, I think we're all going to be a transformed people. And we're going to look more like Jesus than we ever have before. And it all starts with you. It all starts with me. And I think about um, the, the great opportunities that every one of us has to make that decision to say, I'm going to look more like Jesus this year than I ever have before. Not because of the, the amount of absolute work and discipline I'm going to put into it, but because I'm going to humble myself and allow God really get a hold of my heart. And I'm going to, those places that I have hidden in me that I'm not, or the arrogance that I, I, I know that I have, but I just don't want to face it, I'm going to allow God to really work in that and take care of that. And I'm going to become a gentler person. I'm going to show that fruit of the Spirit, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm going to look more like that this year than I ever have before. And even though you may already be a Christian, we can recommit to a new beginning and looking more like Jesus this year. If you've not become a Christian, let's talk. Hey, Approaching God in faith, repentance, and baptism, coming out of that water transformed and changed, is and entering the kingdom of God is, is something that, that God has promised, the greatest promises in the world uh, when we make that decision to follow him. Let's talk. If you've not made that decision, you're wrestling with that, we can, uh, we can, I'd, I'd love to pray with you as you walk through that. But it all starts with you and me. And one of the things that's been the toughest, probably the toughest thing that I've ever had to learn in, in ministry is that I cannot make a decision for someone else. This is a decision that we can influence each other to look more like Jesus, but every one of us has to make that decision to say, I'm going to be one that allows Jesus to dwell with me. I'm going to pursue life, life, grace, and truth in everything I do this year. And it starts right now. And I'm going to make that decision to look more like Jesus. And then it goes to our family. No matter if you're a child in your family or you're the parent or the grandparent or whatever your role might be at this point in time, 
you can make the decision to say, I will promote the abundant life of Jesus in my family. As a child, you can do that by saying, all right, I'm going to quit being such a pain to my parents and I'm going to obey them. <laughs> or you know, whatever it may be. I'm going to start pursuing God right now, even though I'm, I'm young. I'm going to pursue Him and I'm going to read His Scripture every day so that I can be transformed and I can look more like Him. Or as a parent can decide, I'm going to be one that sets the example of what Jesus is like. I'm going to pursue that gentleness that I may have wrestled with. I'm going to pursue these qualities and look more like him than I ever have before. And, um, and I'm going to ask people to, to hold me accountable and walk alongside me in that. If you're a grandparent, you know, provide whatever example you can in any situation. Say, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be one in whom Jesus dwells this year. Uh, as a church, uh, that's uh, a few weeks ago I, I went to Ephesians chapter 4. Where it talks about when we're immature, there's 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 conflict, there's struggles. It's like the the boat being on the sea that's that's waved back and forth all the time. But as we mature, we become a people of peace and unity, and that's something I pray that we can look more and more like that in the year coming up. Um, there is um, something I would encourage all of you: if the spiritual gifts that you've been given, and all of us have spiritual gifts that we've been given, are not being put to use in the kingdom of God or in His church here then let's talk, because God has gifted each one of us to have spiritual gifts that we use in the kingdom of God to bless others. And uh, if we're not using those, then we're missing out and everybody else is missing out. And so make that commitment that, yeah, I'm going to be one that that uses my my giftedness this year, and I'm going to be one that is part of the solution. Whatever happens, whatever comes up, I'm going to be one that helps draw people Eyes towards Christ and uh, and solutions for for peace and unity, and in our community, boy, there is it. We don't have to walk too far around. Whether we live in Belgrade, Bozeman, Three Forks, Manhattan, Ennis, Livingston, wherever we live and and beyond, is that there are people around us that do not have the abundant life of Jesus, and God wants all of us to be people that are looking around us and saying, who are the people around me? that I can share the message of Jesus with. And he needs us to be courageous enough. Now, the Bible studies that I, I use that I, I've set there in the back on the book of Luke, you can take those, sit down over coffee with someone, say, I just want you to hear the message of Jesus. And, and we walk through life, day in, day out, in some form or fashion, sharing the message and the abundant life of Jesus. That is something that God is excited about. And God, as we've seen in Scripture, He's all about new beginnings. And as we think about Jesus when He came to the world, He provided a new beginning for us as mankind. And for us here in Belgrade, in the Gallatin Valley, we have the opportunity right now to say, and we've got a, a, a community of faith that's amazing here, and we have a lot to share, and let's look more like Jesus this next year than we did this year. And this can be a new beginning building on some some great spiritual faith and great spiritual shoulders, but a new beginning to look more like what Jesus wants us to be this year. That's my prayer for myself and prayer for all of us, and I pray that we can look more like Jesus today and much more so the rest of this year. Let's stand and sing together.